Hello, <laughs> son of the tree podcast. Start over. No, that's going in there. <laughs> you chose to do it after I press record, so that's our opening now. <laughs> My name is Nick. My name is Jasmine. Or Mika. No. This is a music history podcast where I try and teach Mika music history. And I sing Disney songs. <laughs> that is our vibe. So before before we get started, I'm gonna like sort of plug our socials, but I also did a thing. You that did the, the thing on the music app. <laughs> yes, I did a thing that no one wanted and no one cares about. I haven't listened to it. <laughs> I didn't expect you to, but it might come in handy later. I created a Spotify playlist, and what? it has pretty much like every song that has been on this show is on that playlist. And I tried to do it in order, so if you do, like, if you sort it by when it was added. So I'll link that. I linked it on our Twitter, so head over to our Twitter, Sound of History underscore, and you can see it there. I, why would it be useful later? Are you going to, like, quiz me on this? There there might be a, a little game. Is similar, there really? Similar to the intro oh, episode. No. And we're going to do it with that playlist, and we're going to play songs on shuffle, and we're going to see if you can tell me... Basically, just like if you can tell me the artist, that'd be great. But if you could just tell me what genre it is, <laughs> that would be cool too. Why do you so like to highlight how dumb I, I just want to <laughs> see if we've made any progress here? I think you'll do better than you think. Some of them are easy. Oh no. Okay, so yeah, head over to our socials. Mostly Twitter. It's not on Facebook, and I'll have it linked in like the show notes of this, but. If you're interested, it's on there. Most of the songs, some of them aren't on Spotify, but that's all right. Yeah, and you can see all the depression. What's the app called? TikTok? Yeah. <laughs> all the depression TikToks that I post. That's They're not depressing. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're, they're sounded, to fight depressing. Sounded like you're just posing like emo TikToks on our <laughs> It's not that. <laughs> It's dogs, mostly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, are you ready for your... Mika's the host now? Oh, no. <laughs> okay, I feel like we should, like, explain what this segment... Like, we don't ever talk no. about what this is. We just kind of do it. Isn't it self-explanatory? Well, I, I mean, I guess. Before we get into music history, we have a little... We let Mika just kind of say whatever she wants to say for a little bit. And it's our show within a show, and it's called Mika is the Host Now. Mika is the host now. Sometimes it has a jingle, sometimes it doesn't. All right, what do you got for us? Um, Hi, Jacob. Thank you for your interest in this segment of the podcast. It makes me feel important. Um, Along with this, I would like to plug our friend's podcast, which is called What's Your Spaghetti Policy?, and he is my biggest fan. <laughs> it's probably fair. Yeah, it's a cool podcast. Go check him out. Is that it? Is that the mm. Mika's the host now is just Jacob. Jacob appreciation. D- I mean, that's the that's the highlight. That's fair. He's having another kid soon. So. Yay! Congratulations. Um, need to breathe album out of body. Good one. Oh man, and the music thing that doesn't happen in this. Take much. me out, take me, won't you take me out? 
And sometimes I'm like, yeah. <laughs> take me out. It's like that meme. Like, take me out either to get food or just like, take me out. <laughs> either works. All right. An interesting vibe to start our podcast with. Take me out, take me, won't you take me out? Oh, boy. Buckle up, guys. This is going to be a weird one. It's a good album. Okay. I didn't listen to it. You didn't? You don't like them. I mean, they're fine. Just not normally my style. Mika is no longer the host now. All right. That was a nice, nice short, concise segment. Did a good job. I have a few things in my brain. And simultaneously, way too many <laughs> things in my brain. <laughs> okay. So now we're getting into our actual show. Just five minutes in. That's not bad for us. Okay, so it's been a few weeks since we've recorded, since we've talked about anything. Do you remember, like, what's going on? Do you remember where we're at in the story of American music? Rock and roll! Yeah. Uh. (laughs) They can't see that. (laughs) You can? Yeah. We've been doing, like, a slow walk up to rock and roll, and we've been talking about a lot of the different genres that have kind of influenced it and where it was born out of. Do you remember any of those that we've talked about? It's been the past, like, two or three months. The blues. Yes, that is one. The Chicago blues, particularly. There's also R&B, which was just kind of the blues. There was uh, country. It has actually pretty heavy country influences. Yeah, and there's a thing called cowboy country. (laughs) Yeah, and rockabilly. I think cowboy country, and I just think like cans of beans over a fire. <laughs> All right, that's fair. <laughs> we'll genuinely, that. where my mind goes, and a horse <laughs> named Billy. Billy. And the guitar is also named Billy. So it's not a creative cowboy. No, but he loves them both dearly. <laughs> and his beans. Okay, well, we're finally at rock and roll. So today we're going to talk about like early rock and roll, like the 50s and kind of where it was born from. At the start of the 1950s, the charts and radio were still largely dominated by the holdovers from the big band era. People like Frank Sinatra, Doris Day, and Nat King Cole, as well as a few different band leaders that were still musical superstars. We haven't talked about Frank Sinatra yet. We haven't. But we're getting there. I love him. Okay. Especially with the older crowds. They were super into like the big band music still. But the R&B charts and radio stations showcased music from the African-American communities that started to shift the boundaries of genres. They would combining blues and country and jazz into a new rhythm all its own. This type of more energetic and electrified music started to gain a lot of traction with teenagers, both black and white. Teens and their music, their noise. Their devil music. It's long been said that rock and roll was a merger of country music with R&B, but that seems a little too simple to really call it that. There is also gospel influences and other cultural things happening that planted the seed for rock. 
In the early 50s, a few radio disc jockeys started to play the more energetic and slightly more raunchy blues music with a hard-driving rhythm. What was raunchy back then? I mean, like, tutti-frutti. Tutti-frutti, big booty. It's good booty. It's big now. Okay. <laughs> Same thing. Just kidding. <laughs> so this new music had electric guitars, a hard beat, and a sexual energy. For the first time, white teenagers started hearing this music that was illicit and different than anything they've ever heard before. Did they really... Uh, they might have heard it before. Boys say some bad things. I meant in music. Like, it's a, just a wild kind of music where they're used to, like, Frank Sinatra and Bing and big bands. And then all of a sudden you're hearing Little Richard and Chuck Berry. I... I I take back my statement. <laughs> it was sexist. Girls say bad, bad things too. Everybody says bad things. <laughs> okay. I say bad things. Butts. <laughs> In 1951, a radio DJ by the name of Alan Freed started to broadcast out of WJW Radio in Cleveland. He was sponsored by a local businessman who owned a record store that focused primarily on R&B records. Freed was initially hesitant to DJ that kind of music, like the R&B kind of music. He wanted to be a big band leader as a kid before an ear infection ended that dream. Did he lose his hearing? Probably, or it like dampened it or something, at least in one ear. But he soon fell in love with the R&B music and the young audience that adored it. Like, I guess he just really liked being a bit of an icon for this young teenage audience. The Impressionables. Yes. In the early 50s, Freed started to call this new music he was playing, which was a mix of R&B with pop and country, rock and roll. Although that was already a slang term for sex in the African-American communities, he got credit for coining the term rock and roll for this kind of music. Like, he's the first person who called music rock and roll, as far as we know. Rock and roll is sex. Yes. Sexy. I, I mean, at least this music had a label now, because before this, no one really knew what to call this kind of music. It was just kind of lumped under rock and roll with it, where everything else was put, or under R&B, where everything else was put. And calling it rock and roll was sort of like an in-joke with the hip young crowd. <clears throat> Their parents didn't understand that rock and roll meant sex, so it was amusing to them to kind of like mock them and talk about it right under their nose without them knowing what that word meant. I love it. <laughs> I love the energy we're creating. Yeah. And it was kind of like, if you got it, then you were you were in. You were one of the cool people. I would not have gotten it. Nope, you would not have. No, I still don't get things now. His show was called The Moondog Show, and he decided to have a dance party one night with R&B stars. It was called The Moondog Coronation Ball in March of 1952. Did everyone get a crown? Sure, yes. I think that would be a really great party gift. Like a real crown or like a Burger King paper crown? In between. Okay. Plastic. Little tiaras. Little yeah. plastic tiaras. Yeah. Okay. The 10,000 tickets quickly sold out, but 20,000 more people showed up trying to crash the gates. So many people came that it became dangerous and the show had to be called off. <laughs> that show is widely considered the first rock and roll concert. That's awesome. Because of that show and the work that Alan Freed and others did to promote this music, uh, 
I guess this is specifically Alfred. Because of that show and the work he did to promote this music on his show and in concerts, Freed became known as the father of rock and roll. He was perhaps the biggest proponent for it in the beginning of its life, and he took a lot of the fallout from pissed-off parents who viewed him as corrupting their children. Respect. I don't know if I'd consider him the father of rock and roll. I mean, yeah, normally we like have the artists. Yeah, I mean, he didn't play it at all. But no, he played it. He didn't make it. Yeah, I'm talking. Yeah, same thing. No. (laughs) Okay. But he definitely is more responsible than maybe anyone for making it popular in white communities, which in turn made it massively successful all over the world. Yep. He also took a lot of abuse for it, so he deserves at least some credit for sure. He was going out on a limb to support this kind of music. Eventually, Alan Freed moved his show out of Cleveland to New York, where he was even given a TV show on ABC, and he was putting on a whole bunch of concerts. That's so fun. Despite the show's high ratings, one episode featured Frankie Lyman, Lyman? L-Y-M-O-N, I don't know how to say that, who was a popular singer dancing with a white girl, and that caused mass outrage and led to the show's cancellation. How dare they? I don't think that is, I think someone destroyed that footage, but here's a clip of Frankie Lyman on that show. Interracial teens dance on Alan Freed's Big Beach Show, 1959. Parents are outraged. How dare they have a good time and respect each other as human beings? Yeah, so that was that wasn't Frankie Lyman dancing because I think that was, at least from what I could gather, that footage was destroyed by ABC. Right, the audacity. <laughs> So, but that was a clip from that episode. Oh, yeah, I haven't. The actual footage of Frankie dancing with a white girl, the horrendous scandal that got the show canceled, was apparently taped over and destroyed forever. Unfortunately, the rest of Freed's life was marked in scandal, as is often the case with these rock and roll early pioneers. I mean, it sounds like a lot of his life was already marked with scandal. Yeah, but like this is maybe deserved scandal. Oh, no. He was a prime figure in the payola scandal of the late 50s. Payola was a huge deal, but we're not really going to cover it much. I don't know what that is. I know. I'm going to explain it. Okay. Does anyone else know what that is? I think, I mean, some people who like music history do because payola was a big deal. I I don't know if this was a kind of toothpaste or a (laughs) song or a person. (laughs) None. I don't know what's happening. Okay, well, I'm explaining it. Does anyone else know what's happening? Me. <laughs> Enlighten us then. Okay. Gosh, come on. I'm trying. You got talking. <laughs> I want to know. Basically, Payola was record companies paying radio DJs to play their music. It was officially made illegal in 1960. Freed also had an issue because he took songwriting credits on some of the records he played, so he got royalties from playing it, even though he didn't write any of it. Basically, he became a sort of pariah in the music industry. No one would touch him. He landed a job on a local radio station in the West Coast before dying at the age of 43 due to diseases brought on by alcoholism. All these alcoholics. Yeah. I'm so sorry, you guys. So that's payola. It's just record companies going to radio DJs and being like, hey, we'll give you $1,000 to play this new single. You think that that doesn't happen now? I think it's illegal. 
I don't, I can't say it doesn't happen, but I think it's illegal. Everything is corrupt. <laughs> because of Alan Freed and other DJs like him, the younger generation were starting to hear this new, hard-driving style of music that blended a ton of energetic and poppy genres. Freed called it rock and roll, and it started to catch on. Since R&B was largely, largely relegated to smaller independent labels, like Chess Records, who we talked about, but I don't expect you to remember. I'm thinking about Chess Pie. Sure, yeah, that's good enough. These labels had more freedom to try new things, the smaller labels did. They didn't stick with one style. They sometimes dabble in other genres like country or gospel or swing, etc. So all of these different musical genres all started to get pretty close together. And the boundaries of the different genres started to blend a little bit. Record producers saw the potential this music had to make a lot of money and wanted to capitalize on it. Which is, you know, what they're best at. The white baby boomers with money in their pockets were a massive untapped audience. But the white singers just weren't cutting it. Were they really an untapped audience? Because they seem like the main audience. <laughs> and like the audience that everyone has to get to the mainstream. No. Can you be untapped and also the main target audience? Well, think about it. Before this music, before like this rock and roll, before this R&B, it was people like Frank and people like big bands which was what their parents were listening to there wasn't a music for them really like oh so like the y the youngins yeah these are baby boomers this is in the 50s and baby boomers were people born after world war ii so these are like teenagers and kids Th they're babies yeah sort of they're babies they're probably like 15 ish baby okay, <laughs> okay. like we're used to thinking of baby boomers as the old the old folks now, but this was back when they were young and rebellious. Baby. But the white singers just weren't cutting it. They were not, they didn't have the same heart and soul behind the music, and it was really frustrating for these record label execs who were just like, I mean, obviously, we have to have a white person do this, so we need, we gotta have it. That was until Sam Phillips found a young white man by the name of Elvis Presley. No. <laughs> We'll talk more about Elvis in his own episode, but basically he blew the doors open on rock and roll. Within two years, he became the most successful artist in the country. And with his success, more rock and roll artists found much wider success. Gatekeeping rock and roll. They made sort of. I mean, the record labels were gatekeeping it. He blew open the gates. No. He didn't let African American person... <laughs> open the gates have to wait for the white savior yeah i mean it, it sucks that they had to but at least elvis did it you know because like if, they, if that gate wasn't <gasps> blown open and it sucks that someone had to but if it wasn't blown open then we wouldn't have heard about a lot of these really great african-american artists so people like chuck berry and fats domino who might have only been considered r&b artists until elvis were now rock and rollers okay it also allowed white performers a little more opportunity to do their own artistic thing and find their own sound within rock and roll instead of trying to copy the African-American performers. So people like Buddy Holly and Jerry Lee Lewis found a platform too. Okay. And they allowed him a little bit more freedom to be like, yeah, I want to do it this way. Okay. I think we've played this before, but here's one of Elvis's first songs Shadows called My Happiness. 
and we're going to do a bonus when it's very different than the Elvis we typically think of. Honestly, like, no wonder this kid blew up, though. He's hot as hell. And he's shaking his legs on the TV. Oh, goodness. That's what turns me on the most. Always that was always singing my happiness. Kind of a slower ballad for him, but, you know. I think he told, I mean, we talk about this, but when he first walked into Sam Phillips' studio, he basically just said, like, I like they asked him, who do you sound like? And he said, I sound like nobody. And then he just sang whatever he wanted. So white people like Elvis and Alan Freed made rock and roll successful. They opened it to the mainstream and allowed other artists the freedom to play this music, at least, like, to much larger audiences. But they definitely didn't invent it. So the question remains, who did? Who's the true king of rock and roll? Goodness. (laughs) (laughs) I could have kept going. (laughs) I know, that's why I cut you off. Who was the first person to play rock and roll? As is expected, there isn't an answer to that question. Since rock blended so many different styles of music, it's impossible to say that one person is the sole creator of it. Kind of like jazz. Like, no one knows who invented jazz, but people say it's Jelly Roll Morton, but, like, probably not. I forgot about (laughs) Jelly Roll. Without Elvis, some of the earliest rock musicians might never have been considered rock. Instead, instead, they might have stayed R&B musicians. But because of Elvis' rockabilly-inspired influence, they were classified as rock. It was a brand new music being introduced to a new generation, and no one really knew what to do with it. Most people consider the song Rocket 88 to be the first rock and roll song recorded. It was first recorded in Memphis in 1951 and credited to Jackie Brinston and his Delta Cats. But that band didn't exist. Who was it? It was actually a record by Ike Turner in his band. Do you know Ike Turner? Ike and Tina Turner? I was, I was going to say I know Tina. Yeah. <laughs> it hit number one on the R&B charts. The recording features one of the first examples of guitar distortion. Ooh. Basically, on the on this band's tour, an amplifier broke on the car ride from Mississippi to Memphis, so they stuffed it with newspapers to keep the cone in place, and that unintentionally created a distorted sound. In I'm so excited to hear this. Sam Phillips, who was the producer and also the guy who discovered Elvis, liked the sound of the distortion and kept it in. Sam later said, quote, the, the more unconventional it sounded, the more interested I would become in it. Heck yeah. Sam licensed a song to Chess Records for them to distribute. It was supposed to be sold under, the, under Ike Turner's name, but somehow it got printed under Jackie Brinston, who was Ike's trumpeter and the singer on the record. Ike blamed Sam Phillips for that, but no one really knows what actually happened. People still debate whether or not it was the first rock and roll song. It might have more to do with Sam Phillips vehemently claiming he discovered rock and roll than the song itself. But regardless, it was a massively influential song. You ready to hear it? Yes. All right, here's Show the Rocket me the 88. Distortion. We'll see if you can pick it out. We'll start strong with that Comic Sans. Women 
have heard of Jalop if you've heard the noise they make. But let me introduce my new Rocket 88. Yes, it's straight, just one way. Everybody likes my Rocket 88. Baby, we'll ride in style, moving all along. in lingerie. Alright, well that's Rocket 88. Pretty good song. Listening to it. Well, you can go to our playlist on Spotify. It'll be on there. Wow. Widely regarded as the first ever rock and roll song. At least recorded. Although no one can be called for sure the inventor of rock and roll, no one put the pieces together better than Chuck Berry. Something like rock and roll would have existed without Chuck. After all, Elvis never heard of Chuck Berry before he started doing his thing. And the same with, like, a lot of people. Like, Little Richard didn't know Chuck Berry songs before he started, so, like, other people would have still been doing their stuff, but none of the music would have been as rich without him. We'll talk more about Chuck Berry next episode. Like, our next episode is all about Chuck Berry. But keep in mind that he is considered one of, if not the founder of rock and roll. I like Chuck Berry. Here's one of his songs called Johnny Be Good. I think you're going to at least recognize the rhythm of this song. Likes Chuck. He used to carry his guitar in a gunny sack. Go sit beneath the tree by the railroad track. Ball engine, everything. All right, that's Chuck Berry, John Be Good. There are really too many influential artists to name during the early 50s when rock and roll was like first starting to find its feet. We've talked about Little Richard, and he was a huge influence. We're going to talk about Chuck Berry, who was probably the biggest influence. I love him. Bo Diddley was an innovative guitar player who pioneered rock guitar. That's an unfortunate last name. I don't. It's not his real name. I don't remember his real name, but that he went with Bo Diddley. Well, uh, he had a kind of crazy name, though, I think. Ellis McDaniel was his real name. That's a great name. Okay, yeah, he invented uh, the Bo Diddley beat that became synonymous with rock and roll. Like, basically, he created the rock and roll beat with his guitar. Fats Domino was an incredible rock performer who did so much to incorporate the jazz sound into R&B. So, like, all of these guys were hugely influential, and we don't really have time to talk about everyone who had a hand in creating rock and roll. Although rock and roll was birthed out of African-American styles of music and came largely from that culture and community, from people like Chuck Berry, Little Richard, Bo Diddley, etc., White artists were the first to make it mainstream and popular. Jerry Lee Lewis, Elvis, and Bill Haley quickly became rock and roll's first superstars. Bill Haley, in his comments, which was led by a former country music singer named Bill Haley, became, 
became the first group to have a rock song hit number one on the pop charts with Crazy Man Crazy in 1953, which is also in contention to be the first rock and roll song ever recorded. No. Yeah, I don't agree either, but it's just kind of like depends on what your definition of rock is, whether or not you think Rocket 88 was a rock song. But here's Crazy Man Crazy by Bill Haley in his comments. Crazy Man Crazy Crazy man, crazy. The guy at the top. Oh no. Crazy man, crazy. He has crazy eyes. And crazy man, crazy. Man, crazy. This guy looks like crazy he works in finance. <laughs> yeah, this doesn't. This isn't the same as Rocket 88. Like you can, you, even you can tell. I'm sure that like, Rocket 88 is more of a. And Chuck Berry is better than this. This just feels a little bit watered down to me. He looks like the bully in a Christmas story. Hmm. Just imagine like a squirrel having. His eyes are going in a different directions. He looks like Pennywise. All right, well, that was Bill Haley. That was an crazy man crazy. experience. That's <laughs> one way to describe it, I guess. In 1955, Bill Haley and his comments kicked off the popular movie Blackboard Jungle with their song Rock Around the Clock. Okay. And this movie and that song basically kicked off what could be called the rock and roll culture. Teens started to emulate the energy and style that these rock stars exuded. People like Marlon Brando and James Dean were the personification of the rock culture. It was that sullen, youthful defiance and rebellion that became typical of teenagers during Still this time. Still looking for that energy, man. <laughs> now it's like SoundCloud rappers are having it and Billie Eilish. Same kind of vibe. Rock Around the Clock became the first rock and roll song to hit number one, and it was the best-selling rock record for many, many years. Okay, sorry. I was just... I thought I had got something wrong because I thought I had said that the song we just listened to was the first one, but no. The song we listened to was the first one to hit the pop charts. This is the first one that hit number one. You did say that. Okay, I just wasn't sure if I said it right. Here you, is No, you didn't. Oh, my bad. <laughs> Here is Rock Around the Clock, first number one rock and roll song. And this is the opening <sighs> scene from Blackboard Jungle. We in the United States are fortunate to have a school system that is tribute to our communities and to our faith in American youth. Yikes. <laughs> Today, we are concerned with juvenile delinquency, its causes, and its effects. We are especially concerned when this delinquency boils over into our schools. The scenes and incidences depicted here are fictional. Oh my God, this is real. However, we believe that public awareness is a first step towards a remedy for any problem. It is in this spirit and with this something blackboard jungle. One, two, three o'clock, four o'clock, rock. Five, six, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, rock. Nine, ten, eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock, rock. We're going to rock around the clock tonight. But I wonder if they just had to put that little warning in there in order to let people make this. No one would let him make it unless it was seen as showing awareness. What do these kids even do? Go kiss somebody? How dare they? Yeah. 
Alright, that's Rock Around the Clock in the opening of Blackboard Jungle. I like that song. Have you ever heard of Blackboard Jungle? No, but I, I mean, I know that song. Yeah. I think Blackboard Jungle was one of the films we had to watch in high school. Like, like that makes had, sense. Yeah, we had like a class where we were like, I don't know, we were shown influential films and that was one of them. Did they make you aware of the dangers? No, I don't remember anything about it. Like apparently we also watched Ben-Hur, but I couldn't tell you a single thing about that movie. Yeah, we I did watch know. 12 Angry Men and I loved that movie. We and watched Planet Braveheart. of the Apes. Braveheart. However, this emerging culture of rebellion and high sexually charged energy did not sit well with the adults. Shocker. <laughs> they started calling rock and roll the devil's music. They were appalled by the new styles of dancing and the, and the music that spawned it. They didn't like that it seemed to be racially integrated. White kids and black kids didn't really care about racial lines. They just wanted to listen to rock. The kids. <laughs> the kids. So this started a campaign against the music. The record started to get banned across radio stations and in stores. The music industry's response was to basically take all of the edge out of rock. They let Pat Boone, our favorite <laughs> favorite singer, record cover versions of some of Little Richard's stuff. They pushed out tons of new clean-cut crooners. Just for the fun of it, we're going to listen to Pat Boone again. And you're going to talk bad about him. Him singing Tutti Fruity live on TV in Canada. And here to sing it in person is the man who made it a hit. One of America's The man who made it a hit. Yes, go snap in the other hand. That's entertaining. Oh, we're going back and forth. Yeah, she kept her sexuality hidden until she's in the bedroom. Then she's supposed to be Yeah, so that was the music industry's response to rock and roll being called devil music. They're like, fine, well, we'll do the same songs, just not nearly as good. I'm sure some people love Pat Boone, but, you know, he's not a favorite on this podcast. But by the end of the 50s, rock and roll seemed to be on death's door. Elvis was drafted into the army. Little Richard started playing gospel music. <laughs> people like Bo Diddley and Chuck Berry weren't selling as well. And Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, Valens, Richie Valens, and the Big Bopper died in a plane crash, which is known as the day the music died. But out of this time, rock started to transform and become a bit more refined. Can I tell you what's happening in my head before we make this transition okay. into an important point? Sure. Whenever I hear the day that music died, American Pie yeah. starts I mean, that's what that song is about. over and over and over in my head. <laughs> and I have like PTSD from senior year English class where we listened to it every day for like a month <laughs> and had to analyze it. You can only analyze it so much. Mm -hmm. I hated it. <laughs> I hated it. I hated it. I hate that song. I'm, I wish. Like, I mean, it, it's, it was a tragedy, obviously, but I really wish Buddy Holly had more of a chance to, because like he was really just starting to get going and he was so good 
and he like made so many good songs. <laughs> so out of this time, out of this time when rock music was on death's door, it started to transform and become a bit more refined. Is it called American Pie? I don't know. This is when American Pie is that movie. Yes, it is. I don't think the song is called. It is called American Pie. It just seems so sexual now. Okay, are we ready to move on from that? I want to move on so badly, but I just can't. I tried, and then you just <laughs> went right back, and now we're here can't. again. My brain is stuck on <laughs> it. So, for the third time, ah. rock started to transform and become a bit more refined. During this period is when Phil Spector's wall of sound technique started, is when Motown churned out hit after hit, and groups like the Beach Boys added a bit of musical refinement to rock and roll. A little bit of harmonies. This period of 1953 to 1959 was one of the most explosive and important periods in American musical history. It was the golden age of rock and roll that sort of lit a stick of dynamite into popular music. Before this, people like Frank Sinatra and Bing Crosby were the musical icons of the day. Now you had Elvis and Jerry Lee Lewis and Little Richard. Vastly you different. You already had them. What? But then, But then people started listening to it more because of the... Okay. Yeah. The musical landscape would never look the same after these people got done with it. In a lot of ways, the explosion of rock and roll meant that artists didn't have to care anymore. They didn't have to put themselves into a box. They could play whatever they wanted to play, however they wanted to play it. Love that. It allowed the teenagers to have a culture and a community all of their own. Love that. It gave a voice to the restless energy of the youth in the post-war, racially tense world. So many of the artists of this generation became archetypes for the future. Buddy Holly was basically the quiet singer-songwriter-fronted band, kind of like Weezer, who wrote a song called Buddy Holly. Or, or someone like the Beach Boys, even. Jerry Lee Lewis was the wild, chaotic frontman that you can see in any of the classic metal or hard rock bands. I've seen people like consider Jerry Lee Lewis as like the first punk performer because he's has that kind of energy. I like punk energy. Little Richard. I'm a punk. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Little Richard was the enigmatic, sexually ambiguous frontman. Someone like Prince or David Bowie. Love. There really is no overstating how important the late 50s was to the rest of musical history. Nothing ever looked the same after that period of time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so that was the golden age of rock and roll. Thank you. Next week we'll talk about Chuck Berry. I love Chuck Berry. Who love Chuck Berry. Who was pivotal in rock and roll and the birth of it. And then we're going to talk about Elvis. we got a bonus episode where we're going to talk about Elvis because we have to. You can't. He's one of the most like looming figures in American musical history. Love him or hate him, you gotta at least mention him. Okay. And I'm now excited to I'm, know more about him. I'm reading a biography of Jerry Lee Lewis, and so now I want to do a bonus episode about him. But do it. It's less important. He was doing stuff, and then he got in a lot of trouble, and then. Oh you know. yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I th I don't know if we play any Jerry Lee Lewis, but you know maybe. All right, and then we're done with rock and roll for a little bit, and we're going to cover a couple other genres that were, you know, being around in this time, being born in this time. And then we're going to go into, like, a little break and a little mini-season 
where we're going to cover the Rat Pack. Yeah. And we're going to do like an episode on each member of the Rat Pack, ending so it with Frank Sinatra. forward to that. All right. That's what we got coming up. Hey. So stay tuned. Follow us on social media so you can know when we actually release stuff because it's not every week. Sorry. <laughs> any, any closing remarks about early rock and roll? I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> okay. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.